Amen. Well, let's look in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. It's Labor Day weekend. It means you're supposed to work real hard, right? Labor Day weekend. The benefits of hard labor. That's a pretty good uh, thought process. Didn't I put it in a uh, welcome thing up there? Wow. Whew. Okay. Sluggard up here. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 in uh, verse 17. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I, take, I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored, therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what uh, hath man of all of his labor and of his vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all the days are sorrows, and his travail grief, yet his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor, this also I saw, and it was from the hand of God. For who can eat, or who else can hasten here unto, more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail together, uh, together and to heap up, uh, that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, it's a precious thing to think of the blessings of God and the strength and the abilities of God that God gives to us that we might be able to labor and work hard and be able to accomplish the will of God in our life. And so, Lord, I pray we might be able to learn some very simple, practical truths of what Solomon is trying to reveal to us his frustration in reference to his labors. But yet, God, you have promised that you would give us rest and you would give us blessings and rewards in our labor. And so, Lord, I pray that we might uh, be able to glean some uh, benefits of working hard. Uh, Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's not saved, I pray that they might realize the work of Christ on Calvary. The work of Christ was the redemption of mankind. He offered himself so that we might be able to be forgiven and cleansed and set free from the bondage of our sins through not our works, but through the work of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray you speak to each of our hearts today. Uh, may your will be accomplished uh, through the preaching of the word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 24. 
says, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. So the benefits of hard labor. This is, uh, got some weird thing going on. Yeah, okay. We always blame everything on the sound guy, amen. It's got to be his fault. Anyway, so the benefits of hard labor. So we, hard, uh, my dad, I was always interested in that growing up on the farm. My dad always cut hay to ba be bailed on Memorial Day, 4th of July, and Labor Day. And uh, I don't think he liked picnics, and so he made sure there was always hay to bale, so he didn't have to worry about going to a picnic. But anyway, Labor Day, always used to say, Labor Day means you're supposed to work real hard. And uh, we're living in a time and an era where people have kind of abandoned the concept of hard work. And uh, we've got this mentality in America that it's a selfish mentality. We got this entitlement mentality. Everybody feels that they're justified in getting everything that they have in their life, uh, not because of their hard labor or their hard work, but, hey, it's my right to have that. And uh, they lose out on the blessings and the benefit of hard labor, of working hard. You know, it's just, it's always interesting to me dealing with our Christian school with sports. And uh, it, I'm, a, I'm, a very, I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed of how many young men when it comes to playing sports, will not play sports because they don't want the exercise that's involved to prepare for the sports. That's sad. Shame on the parents. You ought to be training your children to work. They need to be working even as a young child. They need to learn when they're four and five years old that their work is to pick up their toys after they play, not scatter them all over the house need to teach, you know, I'm not getting very many amens here, but that's all right. <laughs> that identifies what the problem is, amen? Because the reality is we don't, we don't want to adjust our schedules and we don't want to be responsible for our actions and we certainly don't want to impose any responsibilities on our children. And uh, now we have a whole generation that does not want to work and feels though everything should be given to them, benefits of hard labor. You know, the first Labor Day in the United States was celebrated September 5th in 1882 in New York City. After that, it says, in the aftermath of the deaths of a number of workers at the hands of the U.S. military and U.S. marshals during the 1894 Pullman strike, President Grover Cleveland put reconciliation with labor on the top political priority in his administration. Fearing further conflict, legislation making Labor Day a national holiday was rushed through Congress unanimously and signed into law in a mere six days after the end of the strike. I can't imagine Congress getting anything done that quick. I couldn't imagine Congress getting back to town in six days to be able to start getting back to business again. But that's an amazing thought, an amazing fact that took place. The thing is, throughout history, and even in present-day reality, uh, there are labor disputes. And uh, I don't know, I just always have taken the position, if I don't feel as though I'm making enough money and they don't want to pay me what I want to get paid, I'll go get a job somewhere else. And if I made an agreement, I always have had the position that if I made an agreement to work for X amount of dollars, then that's what I need to work for. 
And if I want to be, if the employer feels that I'm being a blessing and I'm doing a good job, wants to give me extra, that's wonderful. I have never gone on strike in my life. I've drove tractor and trailer, and there were strikes, and guys were getting their windshields busted out and everything else. I still drove tractor and trailer down the road. And I was in Bible College, the bus company I was with uh, had a major strike, and they said, uh, we're not going to drive our buses anymore. This is a union shop. And I said, well, I don't know what kind of union you have, but I need to raise money. I need to make money to pay my bills and to support my family. And I said, I'm going to work whether you guys work or not. I don't care if you got a picket line. I'm going across it because I'm going to work. If I don't feel as though I'm making enough money, then I'll go work somewhere else. And so there was a good amen spot there, but that's all right. We'll move on. Uh, business needs employees. Business can, you know, it's amazing to me this climate, political, politically com- climate that we have in America, that business is bad. You understand if you don't have business, you don't have a job. And if you don't have a job, you don't have income. Remember I was training when I started a uh, church, uh, Gospel Lake Baptist Church up in Oakhurst. I, went, I got a job driving for Asbury Park, New York Transit to New York City commuter bus. I remember the fellow that was training me on how to run the route and where we had to go and all that stuff. And uh, every person that was waiting to get on the bus, and he'd have to stop and pick them up, every person he complained about. I can't believe they're there waiting. I got to stop. I, cannot, I'm not, I looked at him. I said, are you some kind of a nut? Do you understand if they do not get on the bus and pay the fare, you do not have a paycheck? <laughs> the mentality of some people, it's, it's alarming. In, but businesses need employees and people need work, so we need businesses. And, and we have to labor hard and we need to work to be able to support ourselves and to pay our bills and all these things together. Uh, work, I believe, can be worked out for the glory of God. And Solomon in this chapter is just simply expressing his feelings and his emotions over the concern of the outcome of his labors. And he says his labor under the sun. So he's not talking in reference to God's blessing or not blessing. He's talking about his labor in reference to living on this earth and interacting and dealing with things with individuals on this earth. And his conclusion was, it's all vanity. It's all worthless. There's no value to it. And then he starts to explain why he felt there was no value to it. Because in verse 17, he identifies his stresses over this labor. Verse 17 Therefore, I hated life. <laughs> you know, some people hate life. You know, I, I always get tickled. Kids coming to school, my life is ruined. I got to go to school. <laughs> I feel like telling them, wait till you graduate. <laughs> Talk about stress. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I mean, he was stressed out. You know, we live in a world today where we have to have safe zones. You know, I, I, these businesses, you know, you got to have business. You got to have a place where people can go and be, feel safe. You can't say certain words. You can't act certain ways. You can't expect a certain amount of work uh, because everybody's stressed out. The tension and pressure uh, of the responsibilities of the job. And Solomon is expressing that here. He says, 
all this labor, this work, I just hated of life because of the fact it was vanity and vexation of spirit. Not only was there stress, but he was dealing with distress. In verse 18, he said, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. I mean, he was distressed and anxious about the future and it's based on the reality that no matter how hard you work and how long you live, whatever you accomplish, somebody else is getting it. Your fancy cars aren't going to follow you to the cemetery. Your stocks and bonds aren't going to go with you. You know, they're all going to be left behind. And Solomon is saying, man, I am just not only stressed about the anxiousness and difficulties in life, but, man, I'm distressed about what is going to take place after I'm gone and who's going to get what I have. Notice he acknowledges that the fool that wastes my labor, he's concerned about the person who may get his wealth, his uh, income, his uh, possessions after him, and just be foolish. In verse 19, he says, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? You know, it's amazing that the prodigal son was a fool. He took the inheritance that was justifiably his, and he went out and squandered the whole thing. I would imagine the father was feeling a little bit like Solomon. Uh, I, I can't believe I worked so hard. I'm stressed out over my son. He's taken everything that I've labored for, and he's lost it all. And so in verse 19, it says, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over my labor, wherein I have labored, and where I, in, in, uh, I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. That's why you need to labor for treasures in heaven. Because nobody can take your treasures in heaven away from you. But the treasures that you build up on this earth, somebody else is going to get it. Either your children or who knows, probably uh, with the government, uh, the way we're going, amen. And uh, they'll probably tax you. And somewhere, you know, there is a death tax in New Jersey. That's right. They're already taxing you when you die, amen. They tax you when you're born. They tax you when you leave. They tax you when you drop dead. I mean, they're just going to get all the labor that you have, amen. So that just gives you, I just want to be an encouragement this morning, amen. <laughs> So he's anxious about the future because of the fool that may waste his labor. But also, he says he's anxious about the future because the person that may get it is undeserving to receive that labor, the product of his labor. In verse 21, for there is a man whose labor in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it. For his portion, this also is vanity and great evil. So here's, so some, here's somebody getting something that they didn't work for. They don't deserve to have it. They're not concerned about getting it, but they get it anyway. You know, it, it's very alarming that uh, in America, how the attitude that people have about how terrible America is, 
But why don't you stop and think about the sacrifices that have been made over the years? Why don't you start and think about the lives that have been sacrificed? Why don't you start thinking about the money that has been spent? Every country has its problems and difficulties. America is no different, but I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of sacrifice and a lot of labor to create a society that is safe and a society that is uh, able to work and make money and to be able to provide for your needs. And Solomon said this, I'm, I'm stressed out over this thing because there's somebody that's not going to deserve to get what I have, but they're going to get it anyway. So Solomon is stressing out. The word labor is used 110 times in the Bible. And it's always dealing with something in reference to being stressful or being a trial or something that's strenuous or an abundance of dedication and commitment in reference to what you are going to experience and go through. No wonder Solomon, in verse, our text verse, he just comes to the conclusion there's nothing better for a man than they should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. He said it's good. It is good for you to work. It is good for you. I remember back in the 80s, they were talking about, oh, you know what? The economy's so good and all this is going on and that's going on. We're going to be able to go to a four-day work week. You know, you eight days in a week ain't enough anymore to try to meet your needs. And uh, no, no, you're going to have to labor. You're going to have to work. So let's think about this. Why should we be concerned about the benefits of hard labor? First of all, it is profitable. It is profitable. In Proverbs, we're going to look at quite a few different verses if you want to flip over to them or you can just jot them down and read them later on. But uh, Proverbs, uh, Pro, it's profitable because it gives an increase. In uh, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 11 says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Uh, we need a, a new philosophy and a new idea about how we live our lives in America, and that is you got to work hard. Whatever you got, you got to work for it. You know, I just think of things that I've been able to enjoy and experience throughout my life. I'm going to tell you anything I have, anything that I can enjoy, it's because of hard work, because of laboring hard. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't just happen. You have to invest time and effort money, skills, whatever it may be, and it is profitable to work hard because of the fact there is an increase that you can experience. Psalm 128 verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. And so this matter of laboring hard and working hard and knowing that God will give us an increase if we're willing to work hard. People say, well, I, I, don't, I want what so-and-so has. Well, why don't you stop and evaluate what it took for them to get what they have? And then why don't you determine in yourself, in your heart, I'm going to do those same things and even more so I can get what they have. And so there is an increase when we're willing to labor. Not only is it profitable because it gives an increase, but it fulfills desires that we have. 
And, uh, you know, uh, young people want cars. They want all these different things. People want vacations, and they want to go places. And that's wonderful. But realize this. If you're going to be able to enjoy and fulfill those desires in your life, you're going to have to work hard at it. In uh, Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 23, says, In all labor there is a, his profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. So, you know, you can, you can talk about doing something, talk about wanting to experience something. Talk's cheap, as they say. You just got to close your mouth and start working hard. And I always get tickled by uh, kids in school. You know, you got a math class a test coming up or something, and they're all sitting around talking about it. Well, you need to stop talking about it and start studying for it. Amen. And, uh, and I, have watched, I have watched students who will work hard, they'll develop study skills, and they may not know the material, may not understand the material, but listen, if they'll work hard, they can get the material. I remember when I was in, in uh, high school, which was a long time ago, they actually had buildings back then. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have all those things. But I remember I wanted to get into mechanical drafting and architecture, and that's full of math. I hate math. I hate to read. I don't want anything to do with math. I remember it took me two years to go through Algebra 1. I got it through it, though, amen. It took me two years to go through Algebra 2. It took me two years to do geometry. And then I went to college for mechanical drafting and had to do calculus. I had to hire somebody to tutor me so I could get through that. I mean, you have to work at it. You, you just, it just doesn't come. And I would tell my mom a while ago, I said, uh, well, Mom, I said, I'm going to be teaching math this year. She started laughing. <laughs> I was like, what are you laughing at? She said, Michael, really? You're going to teach math? I said, yeah, I'm going to teach math. I said, those kids are going to learn too, amen? <laughs> But they're going to learn how you can take it two or three times and pass. Amen. <laughs> it fulfills desires if you're willing to work hard. Proverbs chapter 10 in uh, verse 16 says, The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, the fruit of the wicked to sin. And so you want to enjoy life. I I'll tell you, I've enjoyed life. I really have. I enjoyed life before I got saved, and then when I got saved, I found out what life was all about. And I just have had a time since I've been saved, and God's enabled me to experience all kinds of things. And I know this, if, thy, thou shalt delight, if you delight thyself in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And I have found if you'll delight in God and you'll work hard, God will give you every desire that's on your heart. I've had not, I have not had him withhold one desire from me uh, in my life. It's profitable, this laboring. Notice also it honors the Lord. It honors the Lord. Paul said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? He said, for your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And for a believer, we live our life in the world, we have to do our secular jobs, whatever our opportunities are. But when we labor, we're steadfast for, with God, walking with the Lord, committing our life to the Lord, honoring the Lord. God will bless us, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. 
And so we need to get God involved in our lives and live our lives to the glory of God, committed completely to Him, and our labor will be profitable. We don't need to be like Solomon, stressed out, distressed about life, uh, overwhelmed with the excess of worry and work that is upon us because we're laboring for the Lord and whatever we do for the glory of God, it's building up treasures in heaven. And so we don't need to worry about that, uh, uh, whether we're going to be able to leave it to someone else or whatever. Invest it, involve whatever you have in things that will bring glory to God. It's profitable. Notice it's knowledgeable. And what I mean by that, when you labor hard, uh, it's known by other people. And uh, people are aware whether you work hard or not. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul mentions the fact that uh, the believers in Thessalonica, how they labored for the Lord, and it would, there were other countries, other churches, and other areas that were aware of the fact of their labor for God. In 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. Paul says, listen, I haven't forgot about you. I haven't forgot about what you did. I never forgot about your work of faith. I never forgot about your labor of love. And so when you talk about working for God, oftentimes we wonder about, well, somebody, if I work real hard, who's going to acknowledge that? Who's going to know about that? I'm going to tell you, first of all, God's going to know about it. And secondly, there's others who are watching will know about it. Let me tell you something. When you're on a job people will pick out a lazy person real fast. It doesn't take long to figure out who's lazy and who's just trying to get by. And I'll guarantee you, you young people, you get a job, you need to work hard. Don't worry about what you're making. You, if you took the job based on the salary, they said stop worrying about your income and start worrying about your testimony as a Christian on your job. And work hard and labor hard, and I'll guarantee you, God will make it a, others aware of what is going on in your life and how you're excelling on your job. So there's others know about it, but your labor is knowledgeable because it's known by God. In the letters to the churches, seven churches in Revelation, it's interesting. In Revelation chapter two and verse two, Jesus said, "I know thy works and thy labor." and thy patience. So God knows about your labor. There is, listen, there's things that people do uh, that nobody knows about but God. I could stand here and testify for the next hour of things that I have done uh, to try to glorify the Lord or try to be a help to other people or whatever that nobody knows about. And I'm very careful. I don't like talking about things that I've done that nobody knows about because I don't want to get the glory for what I've done. I want God to know about what I'm doing and let God get the glory for how he works in somebody's life through me. But God knows your labor. You say, well, nobody recognizes me and nobody acknowledges what I've done. Let God recognize you and acknowledge that. The benefit of laboring and working hard is that God will honor you and God will acknowledge your labor uh, for him. In Revelation 14 and 13, it's known for the future rest. In Revelation chapter 14 and 13, it says, And I heard a voice from heaven, 
And it goes on to say, saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. And so, yes, it's knowledgeable when, you've been, when you work hard for, the, for God, you live hard, uh, as a testimony for Christ. Others are going to see your labor. Christ is aware of your labor. But there is a future that you're going to be able to enjoy that is a place of rest. It's a place of your works following behind you where you receive rewards in heaven. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor... And are heavy laden. He said, and I'll give you rest. The amazing thing is, is when the burdens are heavy and the stresses are overwhelming, you can come to the Lord and cast your cares on him for he careth for you. And he gives you the ability and the strength to be able to rise up and get up every day and meet the responsibilities that are in your life. By the power, by the grace, by the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize how many times it's, uh, people have come to a point where they just feel as though they can't go on? But it's God who enters in, and it's God who is aware of your struggles, and it is God who has promised that he's going to give you rest when you come into his presence. So the benefits of hard labor is it is profitable, and it is knowledgeable, but it's also expandable. And I thought about this. It's timed. In Exodus 20, we know the tw uh, Ten Commandments are given in Exodus chapter 20. But in Exodus chapter 20, very clearly it says that you are to labor or to work for six days. And then you have the Sabbath day, the time of rest, for worshiping the Lord. And I, I've had people over the years say, well, I can't come to church because I've, I mean, I work six days a week and, you know, I got to take some time off. No, you need to be working and laboring for six days because God said you're to work six days. And then you're to take the day off of rest to worship your God. It is not about entertainment. It is not about recreation. It is not about overtime. It is about the fact the expandable opportunity that God has given you to work hard is he said, I give you strength to work for six days and then rest in my presence and worship and praise me. And so it's, it's timed. But also it's united. In Nehemiah chapter 4, when they're rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, Nehemiah says that therefore we labored together. And when you think about working hard, you think about labor, it is not about you being isolated off to yourself, but it's about working hard together. And uh, when you're in a business, you get working for a corporation. Uh, there's a multitude of people working for that same place. You're working together for the same goal and the same end. In the church of Jesus Christ, we work together. It's not about one person doing their own thing. It's not about everybody doing whatever they feel they want to do, but rather what is it that God has called us and equipped us and gifted us to do to labor for his glory. So it's expandable. You know, you can accomplish more working together than you'll ever accomplish by working by yourself. 
And Nehemiah, they built a wall around Jerusalem because there were those who were on guard duty. There were those that were building. There were those uh, that were praying. I mean, they all had a role in working together to accomplish the task that was set before them. So it's expandable. You can accomplish more when you work united together than you do by fighting and, and bickering with one another. Well, the work is also specified. In John chapter 6, in uh, verse 27, a very specific uh, work that Jesus outlines here, John chapter 6 and verse 27, tells us, Labor not for meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. So he specified when you labor, don't labor for things that have no value. Don't labor for things that are just going to perish and fall by the wayside. Uh, you eliminate the frustration and distress and excess of worry in your life when you're working and laboring when you realize what you're working for is going to go on. It's going to carry on the blessings of God and the praises of God, uh, whether it be finances that you're able to accumulate in this world. Uh, don't, don't have a greedy idea about your finances. Uh, you know, oftentimes people don't think about it. When you die, you ought to tithe on your, on your uh, uh, um, estate that you have. You ought to tithe on that. And no, we're not getting any amens on that either, so all right. <laughs> You know, Solomon's all worried about who's going to get what he's developing and what he's laboring for through over his life. Well, leave it for God. Leave it for the Lord. Be a blessing to someone else, but be very specific. Don't labor for things that are going to just pass away. Then it's not only is it specified, uh, but it's organized. You know, God is, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 that God is not the author of confusion. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so you expand your opportunity to accomplish more when you're organized and you're laborers. And so it's profits, the benefits of labor. It's profitable, it's knowledgeable, it's expandable, and then it's re rewardable. Amen. There's a final role that God, uh, sorry, fulfilled role that God has for you to accomplish and that is to come into his presence where he's going to acknowledge, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so my, my desire, your desire, our desire, if you will, is that we want to labor for his praise. We want to labor for his acknowledgement, for his working in our life. It's an established support. You know, we support one another in our labors. And uh, certainly the Bible talks about the workman who's uh, worthy of a hire, he's worthy of double honor. Uh, the Bible says much about supporting one another in the work that God has given us. So it's establishing the support. When, when somebody's doing a particular job in the church, uh, acknowledge it. Uh, you know, we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice we're supposed to weep with those who weep and so we need to be willing to get involved in and be supportive of one of another in the labor that God gives us as a family I loved growing up on a farm I really did I'll tell you why because everything we did was a joint adventure 
Everything, my dad always used to say this. He said, when I work, I work hard, and everybody works hard with me. And he said, when I play, I play hard, and everybody plays hard with me. And uh, my friends would be want to come out to the farm and stay overnight and things like that. My dad would tell their parents, you know, that's fine. They can come. He said, we milk cows at 5 in the morning. We milk cows at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he said, that, and he'd tell them this. He said, my boys have work to do, and if your son's coming over here, they're going to work right along with them. If they're not going to work, they're not coming. And then furthermore, he said this, if they get in trouble, I give my boys a whipping, amen, he'd, take, he'd whip us with a belt. And he said, if my boys get in trouble and they get in trouble, your son is here, he's in trouble too. So if, it's all, if you're okay with that, they're welcome to come. If not, get out of here. It was a joint adventure. We worked hard. We played hard. I mean, when we went skiing, water skiing, I mean, we'd ski in, in the summertime. We'd get up in the morning, start the irrigation, milk the cows, eat breakfast, change the irrigation pipe, go out water skiing for four hours, and then come back and change the irrigation pipe again, and then go water skiing for four hours, and then come back and change the pipe and milk cows, and then go back out at night go water skiing for four hours. I mean to tell you, when we worked, we worked hard. When we played, we played hard. I don't really have much sympathy for people who don't want to put it all in, amen? Uh, we have to work hard. You want something in life, realize there is fulfillment in the labor of your hands and there is support for one another in the process of our laboring. And so it's a joint effort. Your homes, it needs to be a joint effort. And then there's a declared reward. God has said that he would reward us for our labors. And certainly in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6 in verse 10, uh, I like working, I really do. And uh, often, kid, my, I go on vacation, I can last two days. And then after that, I got to be doing something. Amen. You can ask my wife. I'll go drive her crazy. I was telling her the other day, I said, I said, you know what? I just, I just want to do something big and out of control. <laughs> I said, I don't know what it is. She said, you wear me out. Will you stop? I'm like, man, I just want to do something. I think God wants to do something. I don't know what it is, but I want to get in on it. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 10, says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. You say, oh, wait a minute, nobody knows. Nobody says anything. Nobody acknowledges me. Hey, God hasn't forgot. God hasn't forgot you. It says, Which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to fulfill, I'm sorry, to full assurance of hope unto the end. We desire that every one of you do the same diligence. Develop a work ethic. Develop the mindset that, wait a minute, I need to strive to do as much as I can and go beyond what I can possibly do for the glory of God. Why? Because Solomon said there's nothing better for a man. I, I really think a lot of the problems, you know, my <laughs> different one, parents of my friends used to tell my dad, he said, 
You know, I, we just have problems with our kids. I don't understand what's wrong with our kids. Your kids seem to be okay, and you don't seem to have any problems. I don't have any problem with my kids. When we get done eating dinner, they're ready to go to bed. Because <laughs> we got when the sun up came up, we got up, and we ran and worked all day long until the sun went down. When the sun goes down, I go down. Amen. You say, well, that's crazy. There's nothing better for a man. I really feel some of the problems with our young men in American society is that we have lost the reality of teaching them and requiring of them to develop a spirit of enjoying work. What did God tell Adam? Because of his sin, you're going to have to live by the work of your hands. So you might as well enjoy it. You ain't going to escape it. So you might as well have fun at it. There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Glory. I can't wait to get to work. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of living and working and loving you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you give us to enjoy the labor of our hands. And Lord, I pray that you give us a spirit of grace. You'd give us a spirit of, uh, of resolve and commitment, Lord, to accomplish the opportunities you bring into our life. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because it came from you. And so bless us, Lord. I pray there's someone here that's not saved today. And they realize that all the labor and all the work of their hands is not going to get them saved. But they certainly can have faith. I pray they would come and by the grace of God, through faith, receive Christ as our Savior. And so bless in this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I need thee every hour. You come as God would direct you this morning.